you know, where did that come from, right? And it came from basically 50 years of sci-fi stories. The sperm whale industry is gone. Think about the Witcher on steroids. You can even Google, like, are the robots coming from my job? You'll find a hundred different stories with basically that variation in the title. And AI is not going to replace the, the radiologist. And a, a radiologist working with AI is going to replace the radiologist who's not using AI. Are the robots coming for our jobs? Are any of us going to be employed in the future once AI takes over? The answer is no, they're not coming for our jobs and there will be more jobs as a result of this incredible advancement in technology. Futurist Dan Jeffries tells us exactly why. That's dope. That's dope. Every time that we've talked in the past, we've obviously spoken about the future and what's coming with technology. Is the future Maybe. here, chat GPT? I mean, is this it? <laughs> Is the AI taking over? Is Skynet coming for us? <laughs> it's here, man. I'm a, I'm on a crusade to end. Uh, I'm, I'm on a I'm on a crusade to end this kind of AI taking over, uh, end of all jobs narrative. It's it's. In fact, I just finished an article on it because it's about. Um, you know, where did that come from, right? And it came from basically 50 years of sci-fi stories. And and now the, the media picks it up, right? It's, you can even Google, like, are the robots coming from my job? You'll find a hundred different stories with basically that variation in the title. And what you have to understand is, well, sci-fi writers are writing about sci-fi before it existed for the vast majority of time, right? And and what do they do? Basically, like, they, they just anthropomorphize it. So it's your, like, robot buddy R2-D2, or it's a villain in a metal suit, aka Ultron, or it's the thing gone crazy, right? And how, right? So that's two out of three evil eye gone wrong, but they're not real. They're just they're just like adding in another human character to it. And I think I think the big problem is it's like people have now accepted that this is some weird fact when in fact nothing has happened. Like it hasn't happened. Like and AI doesn't work this way. Um, and then the, I think the worst part is that people just sort of echo this kind of you know, again and again. And when you think about something like even like the, the three robot laws from Asimov, right? People go, oh, those are great. We should we should base it on that. No, we, we should not. First of all, we can't. They're just literary constructs. And second, they're literary constructs designed to do what stories do, which is drive conflict. The whole point of them is not to make laws that work, but to make it so that the robots end up in conflict with them so they can write a story because that's the essence of the story. If I write a story where Johnny and Timmy went to the woods, and they brought their dad's gun and nothing happened. That's not a story, right? The stories are about conflict. And so the entire thing about artificial intelligence has been conflict. And it's disappointing because I think we're going to miss out if this narrative gets too far ahead of itself. We're going to miss out on cures for cancer and, you know, all kinds of amazing things. Think about self-driving cars. Like a self-driving car, like how many people is it acceptable to die in a self-driving car? And most people would say none. But Humans are terrible drivers, absolutely terrible. 50, 50 million people are injured every year and 1.3 million die on the road from humans. So if the AIs did it 50% better, it's a massive amount of life save. If they did it, you know, uh, like if they cut it down to a quarter, it's, it's, it's 950, 75 million or whatever it is, 975,000 people sort of running around playing with their kids and like having, having dinner, right? So. I think we just have to be careful of this narrative. I think it's super cool stuff. And we just, we, we end up, it's just a nice story to like create conflict, but I don't, I don't think it's true. It is interesting that the media and the narrative always is around the one 
car crash when the car was self-driving. Yeah. As opposed to the, as you said, millions of trips where nothing happened and as if humans are perfect drivers. That's right. 16 car crashes with autopilot officially from Tesla over the past like six or seven years, whatever it is. That's like two a year, right? And again, humans are just terrible at this stuff. And I think it's just, you know, we tend to focus on that kind of big fiery thing, but it's, we've sort of normalized the risk of humans doing stuff, right? And, and machines are actually just going to be much better at this stuff. And the other thing is they're not coming for all the jobs, like, but they're coming, they're, they're, they're cyborgs, right? They're going to work with us on things, right? Like an AI is not going to replace the, the radiologist that a, a radiologist working with AI is going to replace the radiologist who's not using AI. That's how it's going to work, right? And it's how it's going to work across a thousand fields. We're seeing it in, in art now, right? And people are going, oh, oh gosh, they, someone typed a text prompt and, and it's, it's, you know, oh, every job is gone. No, it's not. That's not, there's not a single generative AI company out there thinking about it that way. They're thinking, you know, how do I, how do I enhance this workflow? Right. And there's boring parts of it, right? If I, if I'm a concept artist and I draw this character, that's the fun part. And then when I have to do turnarounds where I have to draw the same character from like eight different angles, that's boring and tedious. Like there's already models that can do that part. That's awesome. Right. That it lets people focus on the parts that they love. So I, I want to see a big shift in the narrative. And I think there's always these techno panics, these moral techno panics. And when you look back, everything from like cameras to like umbrellas to like bicycles, we're going to like destroy the fundamentals of civilization. And we've always adapted. We've always, always adapted. And then it's like, well, this time is different. It is not. It's not different. Like technology is not outside of us. It's a part of us. It's always been a part of us. Right. It's a shift. But could you make the argument with ChatGPT as an example, that maybe this eliminates the first or second year jobs, the intern or the assistant, the person who's doing the first draft, because the workflow of something like ChatGPT, summarize this article for me, write me a story about such and such. It's obviously not in its final form, but maybe it at least eliminates that first sort of iteration. Maybe, except like there's there's another version of it. So like at my, at my foundation, the AI Infrastructure Alliance, I've got a fantastic uh, operations person who speaks like six or seven languages, right? And English is not her, her native language, but she's, you know, she's a genius. She knows how to put thoughts together in a clear and coherent fashion. And so she, you know, wrote up the newsletter and usually she'll like write up the newsletter and then I have to like be, the, you know, I'm the writer. I have to take it and like pretty much toss a whole bunch of stuff out, change stuff. But she took it and fed it to ChatGPT and said, you know, make it more dynamic you know, uh, make it, you know, correct it or whatever. And when she gave it to me, I had to change like 10 words. That's awesome. Right. To me, there's, and, and when That's I asked it, it, right. That's exactly, like, I write a newsletter every single day and it's like my final yeah. edit. Right. It's like, it's like having a free extra editor. And that's, that's amazing. Like, and now if you ask it to write something from scratch, it's going to create something that like maybe makes the point, but it's also kind of bullshit, right? Not in the way that you want to make it. Right. So it's kind of like, can you get to the point where you're making like real concrete, strong points? Sometimes it's going to do that, but in general, you know, it kind of writes like a, a high school essay style, right? Which yeah. is fine. Unless you know how to prompt it and say, don't do that. Like take this language, take this structure, make it more dynamic. I, th I think again, pe more people are going to use it like that. And the other thing is there's precedence for this kind of stuff, right? So we tend to think about, like the jobs that'll disappear or whatever. First of all, we've already destroyed all the jobs in history multiple times. Okay. Like you did not tan leather 
like, you know, to make your clothes today or hunt the water buffalo for your food. 99% of people used to be involved in agriculture. Now it's 3%. And we've always created more and more varied jobs. Like, yes, you can flip the light switch and the electric light comes on. Nobody is clamoring for us to go back to hunting sperm whales to dig the white gunk out of their head uh, because, like, you know, the sperm whale industry is gone. Like, so the, that's, to me, when I think about these things, we always, we change, we adapt. Like, there's a new set of things that come around. And yes, yeah, sometimes there's things that that disappear, but but that is okay. It doesn't happen overnight. Like that's the other part of the narrative where it's like, bam, like you wake up tomorrow, everyone's out of work and it doesn't work the way. And the other thing is there's a great book called Innovation and Its Enemy. And it talks about the history of the music industry. Okay. And in the 1940s, a bunch of the recording, like the biggest kind of uh, like group of, of, of musicians got together and they were like, okay, the thing that's destroying the music industry is recorded music, right? Records. And the reason that they were worried about it was because all of the, the musicians uh, job on the radio, like they played live on the radio, they didn't play records, right? And so they're like, we've got to stop this notoriously horrible thing. And so for a couple of years, they actually managed to like stop the recording of music for a period of time. Now, it's not, people tend to think about it in this like one to like zero sum game of like, oh, you know, it's true. In general, over time, the musicians on the radio lost their job. But now the impact of recorded music has made music so much bigger and so much more widespread. And now, ironically, even one of the biggest ways musicians make money again is through touring because streaming has changed the music industry again. There's, well, you can't go a decade without something out to destroy the music industry, and yet the music industry adapts again and again. That's my that's my thinking. I don't know why we panic over stuff all the time and why it never works out that way. And yet we just do it again and again. I think it's human nature to be terrified of stuff. I think we like to be afraid. There's going to be a huge movement towards becoming very good at prompting AI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that be becoming yes. an AI prompter. The guy who knows how to get the most out of the technology could be an entire new wave of jobs when you're thinking about it that way. Yeah, like it's it's like it's actually programming a system with words it's not with code it's programming the system with words that's really what it is in in its current iteration the ai's will change over time right and maybe it'll be about it won't be about giant training sets for instance it'll maybe it'll be uh they'll come up with ways that that you know teach it to learn like uh with feedback and by you know like a human learns right where you take the kid out in the back throwing the ball for a week he'll learn how to throw the ball he might not be and Derek Jeter or whatever and throwing, you know, going to the majors, but he could study over time, you know, to become that thing. Then we'll probably, we're going to start to mirror those techniques and then it'll be who's the best AI trainer and how do you, how do you train their artificial intelligence to do things? I think those are going to be important. And I think you mentioned something that's super, super key here, right? And that is, it's really easy to imagine like, okay, the whale oil, you know, the whale hunters are going to be gone, right? And the, and the lamp lighters are going to be gone. It's very hard to picture all the things that come after it, right? And it's, it's like once electric light takes off, all of a sudden you have all these like nightclubs and things like that that really, you know, that that existed in tiny form. You have bars, you have dinner out late, you have people being able to work at different times, you have office buildings, right? And all of a sudden you have this kind of explosion of economic activity that comes from electric light. So there's always these additional things. And then when you think about something like a web designer, right? It's very hard to imagine a web designer if you're an 18th century farmer, right? Because it's built on the back of 20 other technologies, right? The, the discovery of electricity and wiring it all together and 
uh, digital technology and the internet and computers and web browsers. You can't you can't imagine all these things. So, so people can see that the lamplighter is going to be gone, but they can't see the you know the fifty things that replace it. And I I don't want to go back to the only jobs were like surf and you know you know Viking raider and like you know, housewife and, you know, teacher, like, you know, like those are, those are fine. Like, like Viking the, Raider does sound kind of fun to be honest, yeah, maybe, for a, week, maybe for a weekend or something. Yeah. <laughs> for a weekend. Right. Like, but like virtually maybe, you know, cause like, I don't want to be, you know, maimed or mutilated, but the, it's, I, I, we just have so many more varied jobs now. And I think that's because like, you know, these one technologies change something and it's, and it's a, a massive technology. Right. And you look back, like there's a there was a writer writing about how information overload, for instance, was destroying our mind. It was weakening our ability, to, you know, to think clearly. And you'd think he was writing about social media, but he was writing in 1500 about the the printing press, right? Never never played with email or Twitter, right? And 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 like it's the same argument today, like oh, you know, we're we're dumber now, we're rotting our minds, you know, we blah 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 blah, and yet we always seem to adapt and, and and create new things and i think that's exciting i think too many people miss it and too many people just focus on uh, on the negative and this really is just the beginning i mean chat gpt yeah. is absolutely mind-blowing but when you see the exponential projections of what it will be able to do even in the coming months and years to your point it's extremely difficult to imagine the final end state of this yeah, and they're they're going to get better with you know getting it to do be more aligned to what people want. And in fact, you know all the people were sort of you know gleefully pointing out how you know it's stupidly you know made up answers or whatever. It's like you know what, like you just used it wrong, right? Like first of all, like just Google that. You, 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 why are you need to answer that question? And then second of all, like it's what they didn't realize is that everybody who was pointing out all the hacks and the things that went wrong there, right? They were able to say like. This is something where, um, you know, it's like they, they didn't realize they were part of the distributed QA team for it, right? And that like that they were making that OpenAI was making it better at every step of the way. And, th and they were already doing that early with reinforcement learning, and then they get better. You have companies like Anthropic working on a constitution of things for AI. So it's like it has 10 principles, and then they keep, you know, automatically tweaking it to like, you know, get closer and closer to those principles over time. So we're going to learn these new techniques. I think the other thing is a lot of folks are of this mindset now, and it's just, I was just writing about this in an article that's going to come out in a week or two, how everybody kind of thinks, oh, you know, we, we've got to solve all these problems in, in isolation. We, we can't release this until it's absolutely perfect, right? And you're like, yeah, imagine if like, you know, they told the kitchen, kitchen knife manufacturers, like you absolutely cannot release this for cutting vegetables until you make sure nobody ever gets stabbed with it. Like it doesn't matter that 99.99999% of people are going to cut vegetables with it. You've got to find a magical solution to this. Or they have to find the solutions in isolation. That doesn't work either. Like the CTO of OpenAI was on record saying, look, we thought the biggest problem was going to be political disinformation, right? So they were working on that problem, trying to figure out how to stop it. No. The, the biggest problem, they were completely wasting their time. That's Nobody used it for that. The biggest problem was spammers writing more like crap to sell you crap you don't need. And that and they couldn't have seen that problem until it gets out into the real world because that's how problems get solved. Right? Like if you have, humans are very creative. 
the systems, we, we're great at ex finding exploits, finding loopholes, getting around things. So only when you put stuff out into the real world can you actually solve these problems. There's this whole concept that we can solve everything in isolation. It's not that we can think of nothing in isolation. But behind closed doors, we're going to be able to make these things perfect. It's, it's ludicrous. It's really ludicrous. And I don't know how we've gotten there as a society other than societies become so successful. Infant mortality rate is so low. Like the, the, so many people live below the poverty line. Like it, so people don't believe this either. That's the craziest thing. Like, but the statistics are there. It's the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive. Literally and, always. <laughs> like, now like is always better time. than before. And right. It just is. Yeah. Right. Like so mass so it's this mass, it's this wonderful time to be alive. And yet, like, we I think that's paradoxically made us more afraid of risk. Like, in other words, when you've got $100 million, you're more afraid of losing it. And I think we've got yeah. food stability and no, like, massive wars. And, like, you know, we we just overcome, like, a, you know, a global plague, like, in a couple of years with minimal amount of damage, considering, like, the amount of damage of plagues in the past. Like, you know, the Black Plague, which wiped out, you know, half of Europe, right? So, right. like, the technology's gotten better. Our, our ability to cope has gotten better. And yet... I think that's paradoxically made us more afraid of things. And and that's a shame because I feel like some of these technologies, we're going to miss out or we're going to restrain them for longer than they need to be. They're eventually going to win out. They're inevitable, but we may restrain them longer than we need to. And that, that, that makes me sad. Yeah. And chat GPT is not dangerous relative to web two previous technology, the amount of misinformation that's out there. You just have to understand that it's effectively in beta and that we're the focus group. That's right. I mean, look, it, you know, people are like, oh, the high school students are cheating. Newsflash, you know, high school. Good for you. They were already cheating, guys. Yeah, yeah, they've been cheating for a long time, right? Uh, you know, like it's it, there's there are, I think, real harms, right? And and we use that term a little too loosely now, right? Like, if if you're a foreigner and somebody won't rent to you, right? That that's real harm. If if you're the wrong color and someone won't rent, you know, rent to you, or somebody punches you in the face, that's real harm. But, you know, we also get to this point now where we're sort of afraid of anything. And like, if we disagree with something that I've been harmed by, that's, that's not, that's not correct. We, we get, we get, a, we get too wrapped up in this kind of thing now. Words uh, are violence. It, yeah. Words right, are violence. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. This kind of concept of like, doesn't agree with my, you know, my political beliefs. It doesn't matter what they are, whether you're like an arch conservative or, or, you know, super left or somewhere in between that's, that's not harm. Right. So I think we have to focus back on the things that do matter. We don't want chat GPT. You know, advising kids the best way to commit suicide, or like giving you know wrong uh, drug interaction right to, to somebody, because eventually people will use it that way. In other words, Google is right to be afraid of its search business now, because eventually, if I want a recipe, right, I, I don't want to go to that website where it's got an ad every other paragraph that's jumping out at me, and I, thanks to the GDP, you know, I've got to click accept now. And are you sure you want to accept? That? And it's like, uh. I, I just want, just tell me how to make sausage and peppers. Give me the answer. Yeah, tell me, yeah. yeah, tell me how to make sausage and peppers. And we don't want it to say like sausage and peppers with arsenic or something, right? So there are some, there are some real things, but when it makes up an answer, like those things are readily fixable with it being able to search things behind the scenes, and already people kind of you know doing those types of things, and and they're going to get better at aligning it. I I don't worry too much about those things, and I do think that there are real issues, but I think we just get overblown about what those issues are. And we worry about every little thing. And and there's this kind of gotcha thing now where people are like, gotcha, it messed up one time. I, uh, yeah. It's totally it's totally worthless. But that's absurd. 
that's like saying your bike crashed one time and bikes are useless, right? Yeah. Like, bikes are awesome. It doesn't make any sense. I think it's a uh, sausage and peppers with an arsenic reduction. So the right. arsenic yeah, doesn't arsenic hurt you. Like, like, arsenic like when foam. you put wine, when you yeah. put wine in a yeah. recipe, it doesn't get you drunk, right? So the uh, arsenic's fine. Arsenic foam, you know, you yeah. want to do fine. It's that. just a, it's yeah. just a topping. Um, yeah, that's right. But interestingly, that means that the model of moving fast and breaking things is effective most of the time, right? Obviously, I pander in cryptocurrencies over here. That's you know the the generally <laughs> the the uh, tone and and the topic of these conversations. Yep. We moved fast and broke a lot of things, you know. Uh, and yes. it, I'm not I'm not likening it, likening it to AI necessarily, but. I can see an argument at times because this is people's money or maybe being slower and uh, deliberate could have benefited a lot of people. So, so what you touch upon in terms of the way to think about these things is where there are actual like real harm done. Like, again, when we talk about harm, it's, it's not, a, it shouldn't be used so loosely. It should be it's a very specific term. Like I punch you in the face, but if you stab me in the chest, those are, those are harm. But if I steal all your money, Right. Th these are harms. Right. If, um, you know, if the motor is is blowing up uh, in the old Pinto or whatever, every time it gets hit in the back, that, that's harm. Right? These things have to be addressed. But I think you have to I think you do have to define a few sets of categories, lethal autonomous weapons, you know, military uses, um, you know, if it's dealing with medical advice. Right. Um, you know, if it's if it's dealing with people's money and, and loans and things like that, there are, there are things that I think we could clearly and calmly kind of come to an understanding on now that may be challenging in today's world because you know people are going to want to layer on all these other things that they believe is harm it's not but these kinds of things are like we could say look in these areas there there's a higher standard there's a higher level of accountability there's a higher level of things that you're held to and they did things like this they used to do these things in the past like during the you know the early biotech uh treaties in the 80s right, that were adopted the, the scientists, when they figured out genetic engineering in the 70s, were like, wait a minute, this could be really dangerous. Let's put a voluntary moratorium on it. Let's come up with rules. And then those rules were adopted into law that basically said, okay, we're gonna have, you're going to have to prove that there was an actual harm done. Like, there's got to be evidence of it. And then it's kind of flipped in the modern world in 2000, particularly with kind of the, the EU in the into the precautionary principle, which is like, well... If we think genetic engineering is bad, we have the right to just, you know, ban it in, in our country. And they gave kind of members, you know, states the right to do that. So we kind of flipped the thing back on the technology and said, like, go ahead and prove a negative, right? Prove it'll never do any harm, right? So I think the earlier way, going back to the original way of saying, like, here's what clearly what harm is. Here's how you define it. Here's what evidence looks like, right? And here's how, like, the penalties for doing so. Across these kind of strata, right, you know, self-driving cars, weapons, medical advice, drug interest, whatever it is, right? We can define these kind of coherently and clearly. I think that's where you do have to be a little bit more careful. Um, and I think that those are going to end up being more regulated anyway, right? Uh, as, and, 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 and that's where we have to like step back a little bit and, and not sort of move fast and, and break things as much as crypto is the broken thing. Do you see any interesting implementations of AI and crypto partnerships or things working together. And it seems like it would be a natural marriage. I mean, it seems like it could be like a, a way of doing distributed funding for uh, for research or for re reinforcement learning or crowdsourcing. It could be really useful. 
but the, the downside is, of course, you can kind of already do that with with regular fiat money too, right? And I, I think I think that there's I think there's ways I think there's ways to do it. I I have to admit I've been a little bit been a little bit down on crypto in the last like few months. In a way, I haven't I been wonder in why. my entire career. Yeah, but it's more than just like you know, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, Sam Bankman and Freeman and everything and this kind of stuff. Because uh, I'm t- I'm tired of that feed. Like I, I, I'm every I'm telling my phone no I'm, no 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 yeah. like, until, until it learns. Yeah, I learned some stuff showing me that story. Like I I think where I'm disappointed is is more at, a, at a, like a fundamental level, and that is for like for many years, probably five five or six years, I've been saying you know, go develop really cool apps, like develop a marketplace that's like, I don't know, like, um, like WeChat on steroids, right? Like WeChat, if you know that it's like a huge platform, you can buy tickets, you know, get parking spaces, go to, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's an entire e-commerce platform. You'll make something like that in crypto where it's all, you know, where the vast majority of stuff is bought in crypto, whether it's stickers or anything else. And, and make it so that it's just an amazing, you know, use case for you know for for us to do it. And I think what we've just continued to do, unfortunately, is kind of build semi decentralized versions of the same stuff we already had, but in a kind of hackier way, right? It's been like, well, we can lend some money, or like we can distribute some money, or we can make some other kind of money again. And it's like, wh- you know, where have been the identity protocols? Where have been the distributed applications? Where have been like the, the apps that I can't live without so that I don't even know that it's crypto. I don't, I want to download something and click it and be using it. And magically it tells me, Oh, your, your wallet now for using the app has got coins. You can now spend like I'm in playing a video game. Like I, I want, I want, I've wanted that for some time. And I think just sort of looking around, I go, okay, I guess we're just swapping money around, you know, and that's fine. I still think it gets there. Um, it certainly gets there over time, but it's, I sometimes feel like I'm the only one talking about this and I, and I don't know why, I don't know why anyone's not trying to build like a super killer app. So if they are, their definition of killer app is just weird. Do you think that's because we're earlier because people are so consumed with the profit? I think because it's money, it's probably the second, like it's, it's too much of a siren song, right? It's like the idea that like you can spin up money from nothing and by the way all money spun up from nothing but the idea that right. you could create well you yourself out of, out of, <laughs> right out of your out of your yeah without consensus from a bazillion other like people like you used to have to come together after a war and like form a protocol and go we shall now make the monetary system or whatever you know there was a lot of stuff that went into new monetary systems historically but now it's kind of like boom poof i've created a new monetary system and i think the dangers of things like we go, oh my gosh, you know the S- you know, SBF thing. Like, how how could they have loaned out their money to to, to another company? Which, well, you know, banks have been doing that for forever, and and uh, and you know, insurance companies. And what's his name, uh, the richest man in the world at one point, you know, Warren Buffett was making his money from like having a giant, you know, insurance company and then using the the the, the money there to like invest in stuff. So we have regulations for stuff like that, and we have kind of precedence for that so that kind of thing that he created is not new and it's not even interesting it's boring right and it was based on you know a coin that really probably did you know just it could implode overnight and that was sort of the down you know the real downside of these kinds of things it's like we haven't gotten to the point where the monetary system is is feeding something that is truly resilient and it's not the money itself 
based on its distribution of the people who have it that makes it resilient. Why is the dollar so resilient? Because so many people are bought into the idea of it. And people weirdly dismiss this. Like, oh, it's all going to zero. That's crazy town. It's not going to zero. Crazy town. It's total crazy town. It's 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 the fact that we have these collective belief systems as as human beings. And and there's this history behind it, and there's this there's this government, this whole identity of a nation state, all these things that go into it. That infuses that money with something. There's been nothing exploding the crypto in the same way that's kind of that been that sort of zealous, you know, even religious affiliation, you know, you know, to this thing. And and then a, a, a wider market that it serves, like the idea that I can buy my coffee or, you know, donuts or, you know, a, a, a sushi or a PlayStation or whatever with that money. That's what really gives that money value. We haven't created that secondary system in crypto that allows the, 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 that value to then reflect back on the currency itself. I think that's been the real, the real tragedy of it to me is that I thought we'd be further along with it. Right. And, and, and on the flip side with AI, I thought it would take longer and now we're getting ahead faster than I thought that that's the one downside of being a futurist. You can never actually figure out, you know, what's going to happen at some point, probably if it kind of goes in this direction, but getting the timing right is always wrong. And I think with crypto, I've been in love with it for so long and I felt like it was just going to be further at this point in my life. And it, it, it's not, I feel like we're in the same place we were, you know, three or four years ago. Um, and and it hasn't it hasn't changed yet. I don't know what the trigger is going to be. I hope somebody's out there working on something amazing. Is there anything that you see in the pipeline that you think could be that sort of killer app? Something in gaming or potentially metaverse? Uh, listen, we have all these buckets, right? That uh, we've seen sort of have their speculate speculation and bubbles, but none of them have panned out your point to be anything no game in crypto is competitive with Fortnite or call of duty right i mean we just don't see the quality yeah so there might be something in the pipeline i haven't seen it specifically like i can't call it out and say that's it and i would say at some point in time maybe maybe there's a marriage with how you asked this earlier and maybe this is the answer i don't know the exact manifestation it would take but when i look at something like artificial intelligence and the way it's going to change certain things Let's say it does start to devastate the ad business in some way, right? It's $190 billion business for Google alone, right? And they're, you know, supposedly issued the code red and said, well, you know, these language models, let's start to put them out there. But they've been more conservative because, you know, the government can look at them and, and you know, the big tech has been soured and, and, the, and the people have soured on big tech and this kind of stuff. So why, why risk it? But when your business is in an existential risk, you go, wait a minute, are we going to take the ropes off? So. I think all of a sudden you start to see Google getting into the fray, you start to see artificial intelligence change things. You start to see people like Microsoft, who basically putting $10 billion into OpenAI, essentially say, look, Bing's been an awful ram for forever. Uh, we, don't, we don't care about destroying the, the search business. Like we, we care about getting more of it. And if we can get more of it by embedding ChatGPT in there and it summarizes websites or it summarizes, at that point, the ad revenue starts to decline. And so you have to come up with a new business model. And when you think about the ad revenue, that came out of necessity as well, right? Like everybody was building all these apps on the web. It was all free, right? And somebody's got paid for it, right? Like it's always shocked me that people are like, what? You're tracking me? Like you want to sell me stuff? Yeah, you've been getting this complex service for free for, for a decade. What are you talking about? Like who do you think pays for those services with people in this app that you love to use every day, right? And you're mad that someone wants to sell your shoes? I don't understand. 
So in this case, if that starts to go down though, and, and artificial intelligence starts to be your interface to the world, it starts to be the thing where you're like, I, I, have a, I need advice and I, I need to know to buy my sister for, for Christmas and it, it knows how to go, you know, look at the things that she likes in the store and tell you like, well, she doesn't really like wine, but she likes beer and she generally likes IPAs, you know, or, or you know, Belgian whites, you know, and there's a door on the way to her house on the 23rd when you go there, well, right? Like that becomes this interface and it's left about, hey, I've got to find the answer and troll through sites. Then it maybe there's an opportunity for crypto to start becoming kind of a, a, a way to pay for things there. Like, and, so, and I would think of it as machine to machine money. Like not people trading the money around, but kind of like the money just sort of algorithmically moving around to pay for services. And you're you're like I topped up my wallet and like it it streamed out to a bunch of things. And like I I only paid twenty five cents for Spotify because I barely listened to it. And then I went on a road trip, and you know I paid fifteen you know the equivalent of fifteen bucks in in crypto because of like use case consumption or whatever. And 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 machine to machine learning, you know these kinds of things. I think potentially. Could be something interesting but it's almost like the other thing has to happen first for there for there to be a necessity you know for it and i think those things can be i think those things can be interesting um and, and, and but who knows i don't i still i still think that it's about building the economic systems right the, the round crypto and stop worrying about the money like it's it's a religious argument whether deflationary or inflationary or partially inflationary or the Austrian, who cares, right? The fact is all of these things exist simultaneously in the world, right? For a reason. We need all of them. We need loans. We need deflationary things. We need the hedges against like downturns. We need inflationary currency. We need all of these things. And anybody who doesn't understand that doesn't really understand economics, right? They think they understand economics, but they but they don't. They have more of a, a religious affiliation with economics as opposed to just observing reality. And we need these, those, that crypto to kind of embody all of those different systems and then also provide something new. In fact, that when you look at a technology, it's when it provides something new is when it really takes off. So like, if you think about the Kindle, there were, there were ways to read books uh, digitally and they kind of sucked. Like you could scratch the CD, like there, you know, it wasn't portable. I'm not going to carry around the CRT on the subway, right? Burns up my eyes. But then all of a sudden, like, you know, it's like the Kindle comes around and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like it, it's got a battery life of, of a month and it looks like, you know, it looks like ink. it's easy on the eyes and I can store, wait a minute, I can store like a, a 10,000 books in here in, in the same four factor, I could store one. All of a sudden it, it mirrors all the old like capabilities and then it provides new capabilities. Crypto has barely mirrored the old capabilities, right? And, 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 and it's got to provide new capabilities. It's got to mirror the old ones and provide new capabilities. So I, I don't know how much longer it takes, uh, but it's, it's it's not there yet. I don't know why. I, I will never forget when I was in college. It must have been 1998 or 1999 when my first friend, who was always ahead of technological trends, got his first MP3 player, and it held 13 songs. Yeah, <laughs> right. And we said, "Holy shit! You can put an yeah. entire CD on this thing." I didn't even understand that it was a file. I said, where's the music? Where's the, yeah. but because before that you had to put your CD into your disc man and it would skip all over the place and you had to flip right. them out. But it was even mind blowing to me that you could effectively put one CD into this digital yeah. format and listen to it and not worry about it, you know, skipping or, or being problematic. Right. Cause it was providing new new characteristics, right? Like it was cool. We could already take music on the go. But it was imperfect. And then all of a sudden it could now you could mirror the old characteristics. You could take it on the go. 
but it improved upon the last thing. And that's always, that's also the other thing is every new technology when it comes out, you know, it, I should remember this in my own advice. Like every new technology when it comes out is flawed, inherently flawed, tremendously flawed. And then over time it gets better. Like you fix the thing. Like initially people actually argued that you shouldn't, you shouldn't get a tractor because the horse is superior. Right now, like, and, and like for a long period of time, it was like, well, the horse, you know, you don't got to buy gas for it. And like, you know, it's just sort of ignored that you had to buy food for it and clean up its poop. But, but, you know, it, you could basically like, you know, have a new one when it broke down as opposed to buying a new one. So, but eventually over time, the upside of tractor, you know, eventually displaces the horse. And I think the same thing is when the technology starts to, a mirror all the old things plus provide those new characteristics is when it starts to make that leap across that chasm. And that's when it starts to get the adoption. And I just haven't seen that. Like I still even haven't even seen things that I would expect, like, I don't know, like we could build an algorithmic protocol for resetting passwords on a wallet. That's like, uh, like, it's not, it doesn't even feel that hard to me. Like you, when you call a bank and you're like, here are my three words and like, here's my fingerprint and here's whatever, like we could bake that into a freaking automated protocol. So that, you know, grandma and me, you know, and the guy like searching the the dump for his Bitcoin wallet and like try, or, or trying to like remember the password that he, he changed one letter on and he screwed and now he's got one more guess before it locks in for eternity. These are terrible problems. These terrible, terrible crap. Like why could we, why we haven't even fixed that problem. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, it's definitely not ready for the spotlight with the mainstream. I mean, grandma's never writing down her you know, code on a piece of paper, her private keys and throwing it in a safe and and hoping for the best. And you would think that we would have gotten farther along, even with just private key security and logins and the very basic things that it, it takes to send this to the next level. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like a blockchain, like a distributed database, like a look up information in them anyways. Right. So like, could I not have a, like a protocol that like, you know, that allows me to reset like a key, right? And obviously we don't want it being attacked, but I'm sure that there are smart enough people to figure out how to make it very resilient. I mean, we've we've got the keys based on, you know, 30 words or 20 words or whatever now, right? The the deterministic keys. That was that was cool. Like, okay, now I can remember the wallet. Now there are ways to attack it, right? If you're foolish enough, you know, to show those, then somebody could just put those down and they don't need your password. Right. So there are flaws, but we could still come up with a protocol for this kinds of stuff. And I don't know what's holding people back other than maybe it's just not, maybe it's not interesting enough or, but I think you would develop those things if you developed a whole platform, right? If you developed a platform for doing cool stuff, you might be tempted then in addition to, you know, minting your money to like develop usability around your money, because the main point is people using your platform. That to me is how things happen, right? It's like, we developed the seatbelt because cars got really fast. Right? We didn't develop the seatbelt before they got fast. Right? So I think that's that's the thing we got to get to. I think we'll get there eventually, but I do think that uh, it's fair to say that it hasn't been as fast as one would have maybe anticipated. But we could say that crypto has somewhat had its zero to one moment and just has not been able to accelerate uh, far beyond <laughs> one. But then you look at chat GPT and it's like open AI went zero to one and now we're at five in, <laughs> yeah. in a week, yes. right? And so if that's going to go to 10, what are the next things in AI that are exciting you? Man, there's so many things in AI that are exciting me. I, mean, I think all, all the generative AI is super exciting. 
I think like speeding up the the artistic workflow. I think I think if the metaverse becomes a thing, it becomes a thing because of generative AI. In other words, our ability to kind of like rapidly create things on the fly in real time. I think people will be co-creating with it. You know, you'll be storyboarding with it and right, you know, have, having it correct stories and uh, generating initial stills, you know, and and all these kinds of things, texture and so on. there's a million kinds of things there. I think, you know, drug discovery is a huge, you know, possibility. I think we can get to the point where personalized drugs can be, you know, can be made for people, or it's going to become cost feasible to research uh, smaller diseases that are, you know, that generally you just wouldn't have the economic incentive because it costs you a billion dollars to develop this drug. So you're going to concentrate on, you know, big cancers and AIDS, but you're not going to concentrate on the disease that, you know, you can't go out in the sun and you need to stay under a heat lamp, well, 15 hours a day or whatever it is that, you know, 100,000 people on the planet have. But maybe you can now, right? Maybe you can start to look at those things because you can speed up the process. I see this thing as an accelerant for everything. I don't see anything on earth that would not benefit from getting more intelligent from supply chains to economics to right like nobody's going you know what i wish my supply chain was stupider right i wish like i really wish that that material side like discovering new antibiotics was slower right like i wish that like you know discovering new materials was slower nobody's saying that so everyone is going to use it for like you know accelerated pattern recognition accelerated design of material science there's, you know there's you got drones flying over agriculture looking for like diseased plants and being able to spray them with pesticides so you're using less pesticides right it, these kinds of things this kind of automation and this kind of scaling up of intelligence is is truly exponential we use that word way too much way 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 too much in society it's like a bogo stick comes out it's gonna be an exponential revolution on transport right but like in this case right like this literally really this really is like it, you're talking about industrializing intelligence that's what i wrote recently it's the age of industrialized intelligence right and if you think about the opening of that i just was focused on on video game making in a decade right where you can probably make a triple a game with a hundred people instead of five to ten thousand and and it's not gonna be oh no now all those people are gone or out of a job no now instead of ten triple a games or five triple a games a year we're going to have a yeah, thousand way more games right that's right, right because you're going to you're going to have more people who are like boom i can i can draw this with an under sketch and then it'll paint it up and then i'll go i'll iterate 20 versions of it and i'll paint over the top of that and then i'll go oh wait a minute this one's amazing iterate on that okay good boom that's done now create the turnarounds for that okay cool now export that to the 3d modeler the 3d modeler is going to look at it and go okay cleaned up this this and this and now it's throw it into the scene and see what it can do and then the writer is going to be working with a, you know, in a super advanced ChatGPT thing where she's feeding like meta story prompts to it and going like, write the, you know, this chapter again and going, oh, this one's great. Like, let's create an infinite side missions and all these kinds of things, right? And you think about The Witcher on steroids, right? Like infinite side missions that are actually compelling, right? And, and unique and personalized, personalized music where you're like, I like this plus this plus this. It'll be like the beginning of her where they ask you three questions. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, you probably like, old jazz and like, you know, tech, yeah, and you know, like, and it'll, it'll be, and it'll be kind of that infinite thing of that, right? Or, you know, those kinds of things to me are just tremendously exciting. And I, I want, I want people to embrace it. I want people to stop like being nervous about it. I want this story 
this kind of this mass panic, you know, to stop. Again, we thought bicycles were going to destroy the fabric of society and like women's morals. Like bicycles are pretty awesome, and, and AI is going to be even more so than the bicycle. Like literally, there there were there story inlines for those. I'm not even making those up. Yeah, I've seen it. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, and so it's like for this thing, it's like every single thing is going to benefit from having an intelligence sort of baked into it. And even if it's not fully sentient, I don't I don't need that AGI and whatever the hell that's crap. I don't need it to be like a full human that does whatever it wants. In fact, I, I don't even necessarily want that. I want no. I want it to be something that can be like, you know, a, an augment and, and a uh, a back and forth with me. I want it to be aligned to me and what I'm, I'm doing. That's, you know, that's and we're going to have that baked into everything. You're going to have the personal assistance baked into things and it's it's going to know how to help you like level up your writing and all everything. It's just to me it's going to be a true a true renaissance and we're going to see I don't know, just an incredible explosion of kind of new kinds of jobs and uh and new technologies and and, and we're going to benefit from accelerating things. And, we, and whenever you accelerate things you get you get you get new stuff, right? It's like now you know people tend to think, "Oh gosh, like you know, someone generated an image from, I don't know, Midjourney or Stable Diffusion or whatever for their article. Like now nobody's going to get paid for the articles. Well, it's like, you know, there's already 25 million like free stock photographers out there. Are they, is, did that destroy the, the stock photography industry? No, the stock photography is still doing just fine. And now they just, and maybe it's going to be for the, the two kids, you know, who just got out of college who couldn't have afforded, you know, Shutterstock anyway. Now may, their article is going to look better too. Right, just like in the old days when you were like, "Sorry, Adobe pirating Photoshop or whatever." As a kid, guess what? All those kids learned how to use Photoshop, went on to become like artists, and now like their corporate license is paid for. And like, congratulations, right? Like they benefited from those kind of things. So I think that I think that's the kind of stuff that that that's really coming down the pike. I think that's just tremendously exciting time to be alive. I, I don't know, I don't know why anybody doesn't feel that way. It's tremendously exciting. Well, after talking to you, I'm a hell of a lot less scared of the robots coming for us and and our job. So thank you very much for that. Where can everybody follow you after this conversation? Not that they well, haven't seen you on this channel multiple times before, but okay. Yeah. There's my sub stack. That's where I tend to write the most these days. It's the, you know, I forget what the URL is, but do you Google Dan Jeffries sub stack? You'll find it. I think it's called Future History is my sub stack. So that's uh that's the one to find and uh, find me on LinkedIn and wherever else and Twitter, if you really care about that platform anymore. Well, next, <laughs> well, next time, next, I use it a lot less than I used to. I have to admit, I mean, too, man, as I, many I, followers I, as I have, I actually yeah. removed it from my phone because I found it to be a distraction. So I tweet Super a lot less and, I, and yeah. I kind of never read it. So I think that's a, if, if my whole like uh, sort of existence and livelihood has been based on Twitter and I'm willing to, uh, you know, use it less, I think that's definitely a, a signal. Yeah. Um, uh, for for sure. So listen, then we got to do this again. Just call me when you finally see crypto do something that interests you again. <laughs> we'll call you in. Okay, it we'll might be a while. We'll have to do it before then. <laughs> 2030, but, but I'm always happy to come out. We always have fun, man. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Appreciate Thank you. you so much. Cheers, man. Have a good one. You too. That's dope.